Hello and welcome to the GenCast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 5. Today I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer K. Tempest Bradford. In episode 5, Battle of the Bands, the holograms rush to save Synergy from being discovered by Eric Raymond. By the night of the Battle of the Bands, Raymond and the Misfits are desperate for some way to ensure victory over their rivals. A golden opportunity presents itself when Ashley tries to end her dealings with them. Can the holograms save Jem and Ashley in time to win the contest? Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Showtime, Synergy! Now, this is the the conclusion to the five-part miniseries, right? Yes. Yeah. So all the things, all the threads are coming together. Right. I think it's super awesome. It is super awesome. I think it's the best of the five for sure. Like across the board, the the color quality was best throughout. I felt like the story was best of all of them so far. So yeah, it, it was, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, I, and the music videos were quite strong this time. Yeah, that's true. Well, except for the first one. Eh, I could leave the first one. <laughs> She's got the power. Yeah, I never liked that song. Well, we'll get to that. So uh, just kind of recapping what happened in the last episode. So Eric Raymond hires a private detective named Malone, which we kind of made fun of. <laughs> the last episode, and uh, it we are left off with him discovering Synergy's location, and he ends up um, breaking in, if you can even call it breaking in, because he just kind of steps through a fake wall <laughs> at the Starlight Drive-In. And so, uh, basically setting off Synergy's intruder alert, um, do that again. Setting off uh, Synergy's intruder alert, uh, Malone snaps some photos of his discovery and then violently smashes Synergy with a conveniently placed chair. Mm -hmm. Right. Doing some considerable damage. Smithereens. Mm. It's not looking good. I mean, it looks like she's being reduced to a pile of rubble. Which is interesting because he just immediately goes in and smashes. Like, yeah. There's no investigation trying to figure out what it is. It's just like, no, I'm going to destroy it. Well, I guess it was kind of annoying. I mean, she keeps repeating the same words over and over again. She keeps saying intruder, intruder, intruder. Um, you would think that she would have better defense mechanisms than just that. Right. Ah, but she does. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I just I just love that hilariously corny line that Malone says when when he starts smashing her and he's like, "Shut up or I'll smash you to smithereens," <laughs> which of course is a very dated term. And I don't know if anyone said that word even in the '80s, but I, I'm kind of I'm gonna give him a pass because I guess he's this kind of private, you know, this stereotypical private detective who is probably gonna use certain words that are going to be really dated. I mean, he's wearing a trench coat and a hat. <laughs> right. And it's Columbus like, is it style. raining where you are, sir? I don't... <laughs> right. Don't all private detectives look like that? Don't they all wear trench coats? Maybe. I'm, trying, I'm trying to think about um, 
like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joe and, and, you know, like did Rocksteady and Bebop use I'm going to smash you to smithereens? I, I, I just don't, I can't remember. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Like I'm thinking it might've been something that, that was said in children's programming in the eighties. You might be right about that. Maybe. But uh, I, I mean, I don't think that smithereens was something in the vernacular of like real people at the time. I <laughs> oh, definitely, no. I definitely oh, heard no. that in TV shows, but uh, I, I don't think I've, I had any friends or remember hearing any adults say that word. No, definitely not. But uh, what doesn't make sense at first in in the episode, of course, is kind of a twist later on, but. Somehow, Synergy manages to send a warning to Jerrica uh, in the Rocking Roadster, and the holograms immediately uh, make haste and come to her rescue. Um, oddly enough, instead of checking on Synergy, the holograms decide to follow Malone, uh, and of course, they're disguised as a different vehicle. Um, so immediately, the, my first thought is, but she was reduced to rubble, so how is she projecting hologram and we'll soon find out but um malone makes his way to the bureau of records which <laughs> is a peculiar name okay and he requests ownership papers for the style starlight drive-in and um after tailing malone the holograms de determine that uh he must have been employed by raymond when they see him driving into the starlight um Music building, uh, which which makes sense. I mean, who else is where is where else is he going to go? And I right, mean, there's only why, three employees in there, and Eric is one. Right, of them, it's a big so. empty hey. building. Right, <laughs> they only have a few people. So you know, it's it's odd. I mean, who walks into the Bureau of Records and asks for papers and actually gets it? Like a complete stranger, and they just hand him these records. I mean. I mean, well, they're probably public records, but you yeah. probably need to request them. Like three I guess, weeks. But it's later. just like it. It just it was so easy for him to do. It was like he walked into a deli, right, know, and took a right. number and then walks out with the information. But anyway, uh, <laughs> back at uh, Starlight Music, uh, Malone meets with Raymond, and he's showing him photos of Synergy and uh, disclosing not only her secret location but the owner of the drive-in, which happens to be Emmett Benton, Jerrica's father. I don't remember them mentioning his name early on. Is this the first time we're getting his first name? I think, I think so. so. Right. Yeah, because it, it stuck out for me too. Yeah, yeah, it did for me as well. Um, so with this information alone, Malone suggests uh, that Jerrica and Jim can be uh, one and the same person. And, uh, well, like, of course, I, I just, I... it's based on such flimsy evidence is what it is. It's like, it comes to that conclusion well, you know, pretty quickly. Right, but of course, like, well, um, I, I saw Jem here and then this is owned by Emmett Benton. And so Jem and Jericho must be the same. It's like, what, where did you, what? Right. Did you put two and two together? Because it kind of seems like Emmett Benton owned more than just like a couple of properties. Sure. Right. Like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, of course, Eric uh, is quick to dismiss the correlation 
anyways, because he claims that he's seen Jerrica and Jem together. So clearly, there's no way that Jem and Jerrica can be the same person. So, of course, Malone just goes along with this. But uh, Raymond decides to set his eyes on Synergy. And he's determined that he wants it. He doesn't know exactly what she is or what she does. Uh, but he knows that he wants he wants that hardware. Mm-hmm. Well, and that I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say it's the early eighties. You know that that computer equipment is worth like a lot. You know, Millions, and for it to be in right. an ab- right, and for it to be in an abandoned building. Right. Well, I'm assuming the drive-ins abandoned. Mm-hmm. I guess it might not be, but like, like I don't know. I I but- maybe want to claim salvage rights on that. But money aside, I mean, it wouldn't, uh, you would think that Eric would have other reasons for acquiring it. Right? Oh, yeah. Because he's obviously, he's obviously curious about uh, Jim and Jerrica and what they're up to. So, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't know what that thing is, but I, I would think that he's, he, there's there's got to be another reason than just whatever the monetary value is of of that hardware cuz i mean it might look expensive but he doesn't he doesn't really know what it does so Eric just likes to take things he, he likes to take things his. if it's related to gem and the holograms he wants it yeah i mean anything that he can do to somehow sabotage them he's he's pretty much game for it as he's clearly showed us so the holograms regroup at the drive-in to check on Synergy, and here comes the twist. Synergy turns out to be okay. And as soon as Malone discovered her secret, it turns out that Synergy had created a hologram duplicate of herself. Uh, and that made Malone think that he had destroyed her. And uh, with Synergy's whereabouts compromised, the hologram smartly decide to dismantle and relocate her to Starlight Mansion, much to the chagrin of uh, Zipper and Eric Raymond. Because by the time they arrive, all they discover is an empty room, and they're not too happy about it. It wasn't that empty. I mean, even if they took Sergi away, like, wasn't there, like, clothing and stuff still in there? Maybe they got it all out before. It looked pretty uh, empty to me, but, I mean, we, we a only saw... a pretty big truck. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's right. And this is like the smartest thing that I've seen Jim and the holograms or Jerrica and the holograms do. Like through the whole, I don't know, like hour that that we've been watching all of these episodes. Like it's like finally you did something like I can agree with. I think this might be the only smart thing that they do in this <laughs> episode. And we'll, yeah, I've got some things to say about this. Yeah, it's true. So, so so they load up Synergy in a truck, and back at Starlight Mansion, they miraculously reassemble Synergy successfully in uh, a hidden room, barely hidden anyways. There's like a false wall that's just like a hologram that leads into that room, which is not very secure. Yeah. Right, because like, what if there's a Starlight Orphan who stumbles... Or is it chasing a ball or something? <laughs> oh, whoops. I just fell through the wall. What happened here? Do they need the wall? Because So I'm confused, and we've talked about this before, but it's like sometimes it seems like 
like synergies holograms actually have physical substance like mass right and sometimes it it doesn't and it's just kind of whatever suits the story so it's like yeah they really actually need the false wall (laughs) or does synergy actually have some power over like physics you know (laughs) like um so yeah i also thought it was Oh, go ahead, Alex. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I, I'm leaning towards that her, the, the holograms that Synergy projects don't have any kind of physical mass because for the most part, in most episodes, they, they don't have any mass. So I guess the I guess they just, the writers kind of played it fast and loose and they, they just weren't super strict with with that, which is kind of disappointing because, I mean, it's... You know, it's 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 immediately obvious when you see like, oh wait, that that doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and one of the small things that we've talked about before is something like Jem's hairdo, right? That's like a hologram. So, you know, there have been countless times when you see Rio like grabbing her and like kissing her and like touching her hair, and so how would he not notice that that he's kind of like his hand is like reached through something that's not there. He's not as sharp as Sam Malone. Mm-hmm. Sam Malone is PI because he's got that quick wit. Right. <laughs> Rio he's caught, is up not in, that quick-witted. caught up in the moment too. Like yeah. too busy kissing her to, to realize that something's not right. I don't know. Like is it just me or maybe Jem and Rio kind of both space cadets? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they're perfect for each other. <laughs> they, they're, they're both not really forthright with each other, and they're both kind yeah. of like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. And they can have little <laughs> lavender-haired babies with the pink and the dark purple, and it would be beautiful. <laughs> you know, I always thought, I just assumed, like, Rio dyed his hair until I remember... <sighs> yeah. I thought one of the episodes of those... he had, when they were, there was one episode where I, I actually see him with, um, with like, five o'clock shadow. <laughs> and uh, and it and the, and it's like it's purple. Purple. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. It's it is established later that all of their crazy rock star hair colors are natural. I don't know what world they exist in. It's pretty awesome. Where, world, if you ask me, I know where purple hair is natural, but that is the world that they live in. I mean, yeah, I we would have a lot more purple. Yeah, and we we would have a lot more variety in this world. You know, so many people have the same kind of hairdos, and everyone kind of we have this like one homogenous look. So, you know, maybe if people were born with funky hair colors, we would have I don't know more interesting looks. That's true. Very true. So we get our first music video of the episode. It's a Gem and the Hologram song, and it's called "She's Got the Power." Um, and again, this video is kind of veering into the funky MTV sort of psychedelic, really crazy music video, starting with the fact that there's a close-up shot at the beginning of the video of Synergy with rainbows shooting out of her eyes. And the next scene, <laughs> the next scene, she's firing a bolt of arrow, like, you know, like an arrow that's like on fire. And it's just, it's, it's really crazy. It's pretty interesting, but I don't know. I just never, I never like this song. I mean, it's, I mean, it's upbeat and it's peppy, but uh, I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's because it's about synergy and I'm like, okay, whatever. Sure. 
Well, when we were watching it, you know, just like an hour ago, my husband was like, this is the worst song yet. So <laughs> you're not alone, Tempest. It's it's not just you. I it's, I, I didn't think it was too bad. I mean, I, I didn't think it was. It's it's definitely not. I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's it's far from. I would say a strong song in comparison to all the other ones that have come previously. And you know, I I kind of lump the hologram songs into two different categories. There's catchy. Oh my god, I can't get it out of my head because it's good and then there's catchy i can't get this out of my head because it's so bad <laughs> and i'm kind of leaning towards more in the bad category for this song but um yeah i mean it's it's okay it's it's not the greatest and uh, I, I think the uh the the next two songs that we get in this episode are definitely a lot better but uh overall what did uh what did the two of you think of the video it's all right. I mean, it definitely plays to, you know, the subject, which is synergy. And yes, we have like rainbows shooting out of eyes and flaming arrows and whatnot, but she's, she creates holograms. So that's yeah. totally appropriate. No, I, I think, I think it's very apropos of the, the subject matter. I mean, she's, yeah, like you said, she's a hologram and she's a computer and yeah. Wh why wouldn't you want the music video to be a little kind of surreal? Mm-hmm. It's I'm, I'm, it's fine. I think what I'm discovering is I don't really like Jim's singing voice. Oh no! Yes, I, I I was sitting there today and I was like, this is a little grating, and I think it's because it reminds me so much of Debbie Gibson and mm. and like childhood like weird stuff that there's a negative association there and I'm having a hard time getting past that. So maybe now that I'm cognizant of it, I'll be able to, but like all of the Jim and the hologram songs, I'm like, eh, okay. So we'll see. I could not disagree more, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I love Britta Phillips. I mean, she has a fantastic voice. She's got yeah. a, an amazing range. She can do, she does. She can do lower mid range stuff. She can do like the, you know, she can do the really, really high registered stuff. And I think it's the last song in this, um, yeah. Yeah, in this episode. Yeah. She is this she ridiculous, did. like, er, like glass shattering note, um, which we'll get to, but, yeah. uh, but she does have an incredible range. Um, she but you does. know, I think her voice, you know, I, I, I have to say that I, I really think it's the song's fault. Um, because when, when there is a really strongly written, hologram song her voice just makes that song sound so much better but when like the lyrics are really really corny and the arrangement is really really corny like i don't i don't think it really matters who's singing it at that point so yeah, i think true. that's a big contributing factor to it yeah i agree i mean it's if i heard her i should probably look it up and see if i can find sound bites of her singing now I think a lot of it is just kind of like that yeah. 80s, you know, oh, totally. that 80s style is just like... You should definitely uh, look it up because she's, I mean, she is a musician. She's had a singing career and she's done other stuff. So, I mean, if you if you hear her other stuff, it sounds l like Britta Phillips and you can, it's like, oh, it sounds like Jem, but it's it's different. So, uh, I mean, yeah, her own stuff is not not like that at all. She's, it's actually, it's kind of all over the map because she's done some some contemporary stuff and... She's done covers, and I actually should link 
you guys to a really good cover that she did of, I think it was a Neil Young song. I think it was Cinnamon Girl. Uh, I'm going to double check that, but she did a, a cover and it was, it was freaking amazing. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all I have to say about the music video. So we should just probably move on. Um, so the misfits arrive at Eric Raymond's office. And of course, like usual, they are demanding that he do something since the battle of the bands are later that night. So there's not a lot of time. And of course they're interrupted by Ashley's outburst that she renounces her interest in the band and returns the money that they gave her. Um, and Pizzazz and Roxy leave the room and you see Stormer kind of staying behind for a moment. And just for like a very brief moment, it looks like she, she is showing some kind of reluctance and possibly guilt. I feel, uh, for leaving Ashley behind, but she ends up leaving anyways, of course, like she normally does because she ultimately tends to give into the misfits, at least so far what we've seen. Yeah. And it's Roxy's job to hurry her along. Right. Exactly. I was super impressed with Ashley though. Like this is the first time where I've been like, Oh, okay. You're trying to do, you know, quote the right thing. So, you know, there's our there's our thirty second lesson. Right. The more you know, but, lesson for this episode is right. Like, don't here's keep my money. thing. Don't keep money from bad people. But also, right, right. how is Ashley getting around to all these places? Do they have a really good public bus system in whatever <laughs> city? It's a great transit in? system because she is just able to just be all everywhere. Nobody sees where she goes. Well, she's old enough she to gets, ride a bike. I mean, I guess so. I I'm feel like, like, how does she get there? <laughs> I feel like the city is, is whatever the city is. I mean, it, we've, have we talked about how it's probably like either LA or New York in the past, but I kind of feel like it's about two square blocks. Right? In size. <laughs> because, you know, there's, in, in some of the earlier episodes, it's like they're getting from place to place to place to place. And like, 30 seconds showtime, which also seems to be about three minutes, like their world's time. So, so I don't know. They've just got like this tiny town that somehow has the money for skyscrapers. I don't know. It's, it's very odd. I only have one question. You do realize that this is a fictional TV show, right? No, it is not. (laughs) It's a documentary. This is a documentary. Shocker. I know. (laughs) But it's just, it's just weird. They got 20 minutes. I mean, they have, I mean, there's only so much we can see, but, uh. Well, that's true. But it's just, it's just odd to me. Like, I remember wondering about that as a kid, just being like, how did Ashley get around to all these places? I mean, really, they, to me, like, this is, uh, this is a budget issue because, like, if I look at any, any modern cartoon show, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore where we get these very, very, kind of small self-contained worlds right like cartoon shows have much bigger budgets today so i feel like if it was gem being made in 2015 like that show wouldn't have that issue you would see way more because the animation budget would be bigger oh that's true i think that stands to reason um but uh there's actually there's one quote uh, i just wanted to mention that i that i wrote down which i i thought was very creepy but I mean, it does f- it does fit with the with the character. So that scene uh, where the misfits uh, leave Ashley behind in Eric's office, which 
ugh, the idea of a 13-year-old girl along with that guy. And Eric says, look, why don't you girls get ready for the concert? Just leave her with me. Yeah, no. 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 <laughs> Stranger oh, danger. so bad. Yeah. Um, so we're back at Starlight Mansion, and the holograms are picking out outfits uh, that they want to wear for the concert. But unfortunately, their good spirits are interrupted by an ominous phone call from Ashley, who says that Eric Raymond is holding her captive. And during this moment, Eric stipulates that Jim and the holograms have just 30 minutes to get to the Starlight Drive-In, and they can't mention it to anybody. So they're supposed to show up alone, or Ashley will pay the price, according to Eric. Um, at, at this point, I'm thinking, Jerrica, just call the police. But right, I can right? kind of understand she's like really concerned. Like, what is he going to do to her? Like, is he going to kill her? Um, it seems like a normal reaction, but it's it is very risky for um. To, Once to again, Jem and the holograms fear the popo. They yeah. have not called mm-hmm. the police. Exactly. They, well, it's, <laughs> it's they a, have every reason to call. They the do police. have every reason. But it's 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 made even worse because Rio uh, opens the door and he's like checking in with them to see how they're doing for the concert and he can sense that clearly something is wrong but Jerrica doesn't want to tell him again and um, uh, she she basically just tells Rio that you know she insists that he should trust her and that you know it's good it's gonna be fine <laughs> whatever she's just like brushing off like it's fine just trust me just yeah it's fine. And, right. and the whole time she's saying this, I'm like, don't trust her. Like, don't trust her, Rio. Because you can't trust I, her, Rio. Plus, I'm just thinking about this in terms of what happened in the last episode. I mean, sure, they were able to, like, find Ashley or whatever. But didn't anybody say, like, Ashley, how did you get to Las Vegas? Right. You were in Vegas. How well, did you get They're too busy picking their outfits out that Right, they were once again negligence. Too busy taking care of their own stuff to even pay attention to the child that has run away three, four times now. But I mean, and now they don't want to involve Rio. At least Jerrica doesn't go herself. I mean, the holograms don't want to let Eric blackmail them, so I guess they decide to to go as a group, which is which is good, you know, strength in numbers and whatnot, and. uh, but anyways, we'll come back to this in a moment because backstage at the Battle of the Bands, the Misfits grab Ashley and lock her in a chest. Um, and of course, feeling bad for Ashley's situation, again, we see the the softer side of Stormer and she tries to comfort her, but the Misfits exert their influence on her and convince her to leave Ashley behind once again. Um, they didn't even check for air holes. They didn't well, check for air holes. There's a hole but- in the in the lock. Maybe. I guess. Tiny (laughs) little hole. What I find really interesting about their conversation with Stormer is because they're like, see, I knew that she was going soft. Like, they know that Stormer has, like, a compassionate heart. But what they say to her is that, like, they're like, don't you want to win? Like, winning is everything. And and I find that, like, that's that's the whole Misfits philosophy is, like, nothing. Nothing that you, you know, there's nobody that needs to get in our way. We've kidnapped a child, whatever. She might die in a truck. Who cares? (laughs) We right. need to win this competition. Right. And it's such a morally depraved position to come from 
But it's never, I mean, yes, obviously, like, they're the, quote, bad girls, but, you know. Well, you know, this is this is one of those things where I feel like if they, the way I would tell the the character stories if I were doing it today is that I I don't think I would make such a clear division of good and bad in the show because I feel like this is this is like a very dated aspect and it's it's not as realistic like back then they really wanted to make that clear dist- distinction I suppose for children which I I can kind of understand that look these are the good people and these are the bad people they're really bad and so they 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 had to have that really really good and really really bad aspect to it but I mean we all know that in real life there are more shades of gray and um you know there are bad people in the world but sometimes the you know in this kind of situation when people are fiercely competitive they may they may be compelled to go to certain lengths and do things that you and I find deplorable but there may be other aspects to their personality these are not two dimensional characters there there are other nuances to their personality that that we should be able to see and I think that should translate in a show. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. That like they should at least have a, a person to to balance Phyllis out a little. Um I mean they have Stormer, but, but Stormer is Phyllis. <laughs> but Stormer is just always, you know, she always gets over overridden, right. you know, unless she dresses up in a trench coat and a hat. Um to deliver secret messages with her scratchy voice. But yeah, it's just, it's so weird because you're right. There are, they're clearly the bad people because, Oh, look what they did. But it's just, it's interesting to me that like the things that make them bad are, are literally felonies. Yeah. <laughs> and, no kidding. It's not just sort of like, it's not just mischief. You know, it's, it's like actual, like they put her in a trunk. That's dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also think about like, so we could also shoehorn the whole, you know, not knowing, like never having consequences for actions. Mm-hmm. And so they're just like, well, we can just keep escalating because nothing is literally nothing will ever happen to us ever in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely problematic for sure. But um yeah, it's that that's a recurring theme in the show for sure. It's definitely one of the the weaker sides to it, but just the, just as an aside, I got to say I I absolutely love Charlie Adler's um line de- delivery anytime he mentions Pizzazz's real name because he doesn't just say Phyllis, he's like he'll pause for a sec and be yes. like Phyllis. Yeah. Like just knowing like he's, he's just digging the knife and yeah. he loves that. He loves how pissed off she gets. Yes. Uh so in the next scene at the sound booth, um, Pizzazz takes the opportunity to go to Rio by suggesting that Jim has chickened out. And since uh, she hasn't shown up yet, maybe uh, she will not be showing up at all, perhaps. Of course, Rio doesn't believe that. And um, the misfits make their way to the concert stage and end up going on first, which is not really great for the holograms. And they're nowhere in sight. So the tension tensions are rising <laughs> at this point. It's true. But and and what makes it worse is that they actually do sing a really good song. I love the song. Yes. 
And um, just as a, a, a quick uh, aside piece of trivia here, this is the first time that we get a Misfits music video. And it's a good one. It's called Taking It All. Which Poor is... <laughs> it's very much kind of the Misfits attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she does take it all. Earlier. Like, in the video, she takes Rio. He's, mm-hmm. the, he's the captain of the football team. And she takes him. Well, she, ha- she has the hot video. She's made that clear. Yeah. <laughs> and, episodes. like, the holograms are shoveling money into a car for her. Like, it's all just terrible. Yep. But it's it's a really good song because I mean I love I love the music of this song and I love how driving it is and um, even though pizzazz is is mean and everything I can definitely I I feel some simpatico with the idea of just like yeah we're just gonna take everything <laughs> from you we're your boyfriend your money your mansion the clothes off your back I'm just taking it. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's not a particularly nice thing to do or say, but not ne- not nearly as bad as uh, I don't know bulldozing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and one it's one it's one thing to want to win a concert and to steal somebody's significant other, but to try to kill them, it's, it's a little harsh. That's where I draw the line. You have more more moral scruples than the misfits do. Then I, I hope yeah. so. it's not hard (laughs) it's not that (laughs) the bar is not high the bar is not high exactly but uh so the holograms end up uh showing up at uh, the starlight driving to meet eric raymond's demands um which of course eric would never show up to anything alone and we see him with zipper and some random other thugs that i guess are in the employment of zipper i mean Eric hires Zipper, and then Zipper's got his own hired goons, right? His crew. His yeah. crew. Exactly. I wonder, what do you think he calls his crew? Do you think there's like a nickname? His crew. This is crew. It's yeah. like boys from, from back in the old neighborhood. They all grew up together lifting cigarettes from the corner store. I was going to say, I picture him growing up like as an upper middle class like kid who just kind of skates through school because like, because he does, he's just like one of those, those people who skates through and like, because he's so incompetent, right? Like he didn't pay attention in any kind of class for anything ever. And it like, that's just how I picture it. And he's like, well, what am I going to do with my life? And like parents put his foot, put their foots down, you know, and their foots, their feet down. And, and now he's like, like, all right, well, I guess I'll be a hired goon. And see how that goes. Right. Well, a hired goon who wears a jacket with his name across the back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. So inconspicuous. Right. Who was it that robbed you, ma'am? Well, I'm not sure what he looked like, but he was wearing a jacket that says Zippa on the back. So the holograms show up at the Starlight Drive-In to meet Eric, and um, Eric is accompanied with Zipper and his entourage. And uh, Jem demands Ashley's return, but Eric refuses to return her until after the Battle of the Bands concert. When the opportunity presents itself, Kimber tells Jerrica to run for it and elbows Eric. And of course, Zipper chases after Jem in the Rockin' Roadster, but somehow Zipper manages to corner her and she ends up running on foot and she's not very good at running away is she <laughs> no 
like, why did she run back into the drive-in? That was my thing. Like, just the fact that she couldn't outrun him in this car right. was bad enough. But then she yeah. runs back into the drive-in. It's like, what are you doing, Jeb? Yeah. You're terrible at escaping. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she kind of has a, has a plan because we see one of the uh, one of the little fancy earrings that she she wears is uh, discarded, and that's the last part of that scene. That is just a, a close-up shot of one of the earrings. Which is massive. That yeah. earring they are grew, big like... earrings. <laughs> it does. It's. It seems like the, it's got all sorts of proportions. Like sometimes it's really tiny, and sometimes it's massive. Not consistent at all. Not consistent at all. And I feel like those would be really sharp, pointy things to like have up near your face. I don't know. I think they're I like know. shurikens. Like you could throw it at someone and stab them. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Actually, that Probably would be happens fantastic. All the time. Ninja Jim. Ninja Jim. Totally. So back at the concert, Jim and the Holograms are no-show, of course. And uh, the, mish- the, <laughs> mishfits. the Misfits uh, finish their uh, musical act. And Eric Raymond warns Rio backstage that if the Holograms don't show up by the intermission, they may be disqualified. And, of course, uh, Rio's not too happy about this and makes an accusation probably rightly so, of course, that Eric has done something to prevent them from making the appearance. And uh, the concert promoter, of course, has to hold Rio back from being the pulp out of Eric. So that doesn't go over too well. No, it doesn't. And can I just, let me just talk about Howard Sands and how he is a punk. Howard Sands (laughs) is a total, total punk. First of all, he starts this whole process by waiting around in bushes and then stepping out and being like, I'm the billionaire Howard Sands. He just pops and out out of nowhere. He just pops out. He's like, I'm the billionaire Howard Sands. Let's have a battle of the band. And whoever wins the battle of the band gets this house and this movie contract. It's like, okay, fine. But then stuff keeps happening. Like the misfits, you know, almost bulldozing him and nearly killing children. And he's like, well, but we still have to abide by the rules of the contest. Why? <laughs> you made this contest up literally out your own butt. Okay? Like, it's your contest. You can just say, you know what, never mind. They tried to run me over with the bulldozer, and therefore they don't get this, you know, movie contract and whatever. And, like, he could literally say that. And so when he's backstage, he's like, well, Rio, if they don't show up, it's like, but dude, you know for a fact that Eric Raymond has kidnapped these women. You could just say, we have to stop now because we have to call the police because Eric Raymond has kidnapped people. He's like, well, it's out of my hands. What do you mean it's out of your hands? It's your show, dude. He's such a punk. I just can't get over how much of a punk Harris Sands is. I agree. I, I don't really like him as a person, but thankfully we won't have to live with him for very much longer. But, uh, but it doesn't look like Rio's totally out of luck because he manages to discover Ashley locked in the trunk and of course releases her. And, uh, Howard uh, tells Rio that uh, that the holograms only have 15 minutes to get on stage. It's like, dude, this child was locked in this chest, and that's right. the first thing out of your mouth. Well, right. and not only that, but like almost, almost not incinerated, but almost like smashed to death. Yeah, it was on, she she was on the forklift, right? Yeah, going toward the I don't know, like crusher that they happened to be running while the concert was going right. on. Why is that there? That's what happens during concerts is they're always crushing boxes <laughs> in the back. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's loud anyway. No one will hear it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And so she's like screaming. 
the forklift driver can't hear her. And, like, that's how they get her out is because she's on her way to die. And this is a show for kids. Yeah. Oh, dear. And then, like I said, once again, Howard Sands being a punk. Well, but they have 50 minutes to get here. She was locked in a trunk, fool. What are you doing? Call the... (laughs) Are you okay? Do you need to go to a doctor? No. So, um, I guess we kind of... As a a story is sort of coming to a conclusion here, where they're they're sort of starting to... uh, wrap up some of the um some of the plot points that um uh, that that need to be uh taken care of. So back at the Starlight Drive-in, Jem asks Synergy to project a hologram of Jem and an entire police force and, <laughs> and Zipper the lions. and the, the lions. lions, right? Cuz lions are frequently <laughs> on the loose. Exactly. And uh Zipper and his hired thugs fall for it because they're idiots. Uh, and then, of course, the real police actually show up to arrest them, and they're like, the one guy's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fool me twice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it's the real cops, so. Oops. They're they're taken away in handcuffs. But I guess not for long, because at some point, uh, Zipper makes an appearance again, and they never really explain it, but... That's the police yeah. are clearly incompetent in this world, and maybe this is why Jem does not like to call them. That could be. She's like, you know, the last time I called the police, that dude was out in the street within like five seconds. Yeah. Well, at this point, um, the holograms have very little time to get back to the concert. So, so Rio and the holograms jump in the van. They bolt, uh, make a beeline for it. They don't jump in a van, though. They jump a in a cop car. That Rio is driving. Oh, yeah. Why? Wait, how does? Rio dri- I don't remember Rio driving the car. I must have not picked up. No, it was too. Rio. It was Rio. How, but that's you can't do that. He's not a. Okay. It. It's not okay. Wait, it just, it, that, that doesn't make any sense. No sense. <laughs> He's like, oh, <laughs> just step aside, fellas. I'll take care of this. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. I remember just looking at that and being like, why is he driving a cop car, though? Uh-huh. He's not a cop. <laughs> so, I mean, the Rock and Roadster was right there. Yeah. I, mm. Maybe it ran out of gas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And Jim has two earrings on this whole time. And then she goes and she picks up the second earring. and uh, It's an animation mistake. On. Yeah, it was bad. Oh. It's really the only one yeah. I caught, though. That's um that brings me to my next point point and um I think we'll just uh insert uh, a little piece of trivia here at this point um that I noticed that this episode has some very glaring um artifacts throughout the episode um it looks like there are a few scenes closer to the end um where you actually see like artifacts in the film which I saw in a few other episodes but it hasn't been like a consistent issue, but there were a few moments where I saw black lines go across the screen. Did any of you notice that? I did not. I didn't either. Hmm. Maybe it depends on what version of the, uh, I guess maybe the, the Rhino DVDs versus the, I don't know. I don't know if it's all, it's affected by it all, by all the, uh, the various DVD releases that they've done, but I did notice some issues in this episode. I'm trying to remember. So I, did not get the 
box set, but I can't remember yeah. who did the the transfer on this set. Yeah, I, it, it should say it then on somewhere there. I'll try to remember to look. Yeah. But, um, of course, miraculously, the holograms managed to arrive just in time. Uh, and perfect timing because um, the Misfits are just about to be announced as the winners, I'm assuming by default, because I didn't see any other bands. It was just... Right, there are no other bands. In the there are no other band, bands. Right? It's just the Misfits and the Holograms. At least that's what it makes makes it out to believe. So, um, But, of course, uh, you know, right as they're about to announce the winners, um, we get another music video. The Holograms make a spectacular appearance in a, like a haze of smog, or I guess fog. <laughs> got a fog machine going and they're just like they just show up just like magic it was it was quite an entrance yeah and speaking of magic the music video is called music is magic, mm -hmm. music is magic. it's a pretty good song and it's you know it's more of a concert video although there's a lot of yeah rio and gem flirting in it yeah i was gonna say this is this is just a very typical like music video you can see it's, there's, just, there's not a lot of crazy stuff happening in it. It, is, it is a live performance the Misfits, uh, boy, they are not happy about that. They're not. They, they destroy guitars, and I'm like, guys, you shouldn't do that when you're not on stage. You're a punk band, aren't you? Like, you should be destroying those instruments on stage. But they're very upset. They all destroyed mm -hmm. guitars, though, even though they don't all play the guitar. So they're just destroying <laughs> random guitars. Right. Well, what a defeatist and attitude, right? Like, Right. Like, they're already just assuming because Jim and the Hologram showed up, they're going to lose. Yeah. Right. Well, they know that they're, allegedly, their music isn't as good. I mean, they sometimes they act like their music is much better, but they always seem to act like Jim's, Jim and the Hologram's music is better. Like, they know it. They don't want to admit it, but they always know it. It's like that one right. episode where they stole the master tape, and they were like, oh, this is going to be <laughs> great because it's their music and my lyrics. I'm like, what? What? That doesn't... That doesn't it has quite faith work. in your own music. Yeah. But well, it's I not like they can't though. play. I mean, they they can. Right, they can. I just tell you though, like Aja is rocking the guitar in the music is magic video. Like she yeah. is just yeah. dancing around. Of course, her guitar is all in the wrong place. Like it's all up in her armpit. Armpit. Which makes no sense. Yeah. But yeah. Regardless, she is <laughs> still cool is to see her play. Oh yeah. With that guitar, she looks like she's having a good time. Yeah. But uh, there's actually, there's one quote that I pulled out here from Pizzazz, who at the end says, no matter what it takes, we're going to get even. <laughs> so we haven't seen the last of the Misfits. Nope. And I just thought that the the end to this episode was, was kind of nice. And I just really like how they kind of wrapped everything up. Um, because like if, like we said earlier, this this was a kind of a five-part miniseries just introducing all the characters and stuff like that um but we're back at starlight music at this point and much to jerica and rio's surprise eric raymond is still in his office you would have thought that the office would have been cleared out by now and that that he would be in jail uh which i thought this was interesting because this is the, finally the first time they're addressing the whole jail thing right like Hey, there are consequences to your actions. Right. But uh, you um, got a lawyer. <laughs> no, apparently not because Eric Raymond says, and I quote, it's amazing what lawyers can do if you pay them enough. 
this is a lesson for children it is though because yeah it's 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 true true. if you got a guy who could pay a lot of high price lawyers enough money you can get away with a lot of stuff it's also a good lesson because uh you know if somebody pisses you off enough you should just punch them in the face like rio clearly does (laughs) right but see eric goes flying out the door completely justified yeah it was i mean he was a dick well Well, not only that gem or jerica Across the no, face. he de- he deserved it absolutely. I think I think most people would have done something like that. Yeah, but it's it's really interesting because once again, it's like I, I feel like this doesn't happen in later episodes, but it happens at least three times in these first five episodes where people just smack other people in the face. There's a lot of smacking and punching. I was like, it's I, pretty violent, I, actually. Yeah, for something that came out in 1984, for sure. And but, I just wondered, like, what that was about. Like, why is mm-hmm. why are people getting smacked in the face on children? Well, I mean, like, I, I guess maybe the ratings weren't the rating board <laughs> wasn't as strict back then. They didn't care about that stuff. I don't know. This is how grown ups solve their problems. Yeah, yeah. smacking and face. punching and right. sabotage. Right, bulldozers, and kidnapping. Yeah, violence, sabotage, and kidnapping. This is so, so not that's a the good way, show. That's the way. That's the way the world works. <laughs> children <laughs> i know that's what i learned that's how i solve all yeah. my problems through yeah. violence kidnapping yeah. and bulldozers yeah but uh but the i thought the the episode ends on a, on a nice note where uh you get to see jerica uh say that she she basically makes a vow and she says that she wants to make something amazing out of starlight music something that her father would be proud of which i thought was cool too bad she failed. Oh, <laughs> burn! <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Jerica. But it is it? It does end on a hopeful note. Yeah, Jem dancing off into the yeah sunset or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Eric Raymond and the Misfits. Mm-mm. Yeah, I wonder how much money Eric Raymond really has. And he's been embezzling from Starlight yeah. Music, so he probably has a little bit of a nest egg yeah. right now. He's got enough for high-priced lawyers who can get and, you out of anything. And our good friend Zipper. Yeah. Zippa. Well, you know, we made fun of Zipper. Like, I think it was me that, that said in one of the previous episodes that, you know, he seems like the kind of person that would just you know, divulge who his employer was if he was, if he was pressured and just to kind of save his own skin. Mm-hmm. But, oh, yeah. but I guess, I guess not so far because I mean, Eric's being able to get off. So, I mean, s- numerous times. Yeah. I don't even think that there's any kind of trial that happens. Like Eric no. just mm-hmm. is able to go on being Eric. Doing well, what I mean, Eric it's, does. I, I, I can only assume that Z- someone of Zipper's caliber has a criminal record. So he's already an untrustworthy character. And considering that Eric Raymond has no criminal record and that he, that he is this kind of man of stature, you know, running this music company, has a clean record. So it's really a thug's word against his, right? Well, as you know, so you know, Eric Raymond's got to be bribing everybody in the court system too, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not just about yeah. the lawyers. Do you think he's got like inside people working at the police force that are on his side? I don't know. Well, I don't even know 
if it goes that far. I mean, Eric just, I think Eric is supposed to symbolize like your typical sleazy businessman. Like that's just what he is. Like no matter what goes on in this whole series, it's just Eric being a sleazy businessman. If he's not being a sleazy record executive businessman, he's being a sleazy like ski resort owning businessman or something. Like just, yeah. he just used to just represent that type no matter what he's doing. Yeah, I agree. I, I came up with a nickname for Eric, by the way. Ooh. I just call him Browse. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they're in the same shape every single time. They're always arched. That's true. Once again, he's he is your stereotypical sleazy mm-hmm. businessman with his yep. I'm surprised. Eyebrow. I'm surprised they didn't give him like a curly mustache or something. Like a pencil thin, like a creepy pencil thin mustache. Like a handlebar with the... Or maybe a the, handlebar. With yeah. the curly yeah. leg. <laughs> with the mustache wax yeah. so you could be twirling it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I a, mean, he a, sends people off enough times to like put damsels on railroad tracks of the equivalent, so... <laughs> for him. Yeah. Oh, well, it has been a fun ride for the first five episodes. I'm I'm really looking forward to um, future episodes as we kind of, you know, now we know who these characters are. We know where they stand. We know where the rivalries are. And uh, I'm really looking forward to maybe a little bit more um, backstory and uh, character development, which I, I think is you know, fair to say that that we do get that in the in some of the later episodes, and pr- maybe not so much in season one, but but as we kind of uh, move into season two and three, eventually, there's there's definitely more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm personally looking forward to finding out what kind of movie Gem will make. Since they they want a movie contract, what movie are they going to be in? Yeah, well, a romance starting starring Rio. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to wait and find out. So on that note, we should probably wrap. Aline, where can people find you? And if you'd like to plug something, please go right ahead. Well, I am on Twitter at Aline. It's A-L-E-E-N. And I also have a podcast um, aside from this one where I talk to geeky people about their cool projects. It's called Less Than or Equal. And you can find it um, on Twitter at Less Than or Equal or online on the web at Less Than or Equal.com. Great. And Tempest, where can people find you? Well, I'm on Twitter as Tiny Tempest. And um, I'm doing various things now, but I guess the thing that I would like everybody to check out is my column on io9. Uh, it's called io9 Newsstand, and it's basically where I talk about short fiction. Excellent. We'll make sure to drop a link in the show notes to that. And just a quick note to listeners, if you're enjoying the show or not, we'd like to hear your comments and feedback. Uh, please do take a moment to leave a comment on iTunes, or if you're really, really lazy and don't want to leave a comment, just give us a star rating. We'd appreciate that very much because we are listener supported, of course. And that's it for now. We'll see you next time. <laughs>